I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey guys, it's Malls. Thanks so much for listening to Please Advise. Just a quick message before the show. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. It's super helpful for us and super helpful for you. You can also call 323-450-7408 to get your calls on the show. Again, 323-450-7408. Or email askpleaseadvise at gmail.com with your voice notes or emails. Thanks so much. Hey guys, it's Malls. How are you doing? Uh, I'm so happy to be here with you today for what is going to be probably a very long mini app. I am going solo today and I asked Christina Lopez to email me some of the longer emails that you guys have sent that we haven't had time for on the show. Now, this is going to be an interesting exercise for several reasons. One, it's going to be um, a lot of reading out loud for me, which is something that I have uh, anxiety about all the time. I I'm dyslexic and self-conscious about my ability to read out loud. So um, there's that. Um, two, you guys are going to get to hear what is considered an inappropriately long letter. Um, there might be some really good information in these. I haven't read them yet. I like to discover this information at the same time you guys do. So uh, I read these letters like right as you're hearing them for the first time too, I guess. I mean, I, obviously... This is recorded in the past, but you know what I'm saying. I like to be surprised along with you. Um, I also want to make sure that you guys know that this is not my only podcast anymore. Please Advise has a sister podcast called Emotionally Broken Psychos. It's all about reality television and feelings. And, and something that I think you'll like even more is Mother May I Sleep With podcast. It's a podcast all about Lifetime original movies each episode, we break down a Lifetime original movie. We've had amazing guests on the show so far. 
uh, Karen Kilgariff, Allison Rosen, Alexis Wilson, uh, Jason Shapiro, Ryan Bailey, uh, Ira, Ira Madison third from, um, MTV news. So many great people on the show so far. So please, Oh, my friend, Ronnie Karam. So if you guys enjoy those people, if you like lifetime movies, if you don't like lifetime movies, but like to hear people joke around about bad movies, I think that mother may I sleep with podcast is worth a listen for you. So please just go subscribe. Uh, emotionally Broken Psychos and Mother May I Sleep With Podcast. In addition to Please Advise, just add the whole thing to your routine. We're trying to create an empire over here, okay? So uh, let's go into the emails. I have one right here. Um, it's the first one, and it is very, very long, I can see. It says, Hi, Malls. I've tried to call this in once before, but it turned out to be too long of a backstory, which I think is vital to this super cray dilemma. I gave up on asking, but a recent turn of events has made me attempt it at least one more time. I honestly don't mind if it makes it in the air or not. I just really need guidance on this. Okay, important thing to understand. If it does not make it to air, you will not be getting guidance on this. (laughs) I just want to point that out as gently as possible. Maybe that wasn't as gently as possible. But unless you keep the emails short enough that traditionally I can read them on air... This is not like an email address where I just respond back to people's life drama. You understand what I'm saying? So if you can keep the backstory concise, then it won't be on the podcast. And if it wasn't for this mini episode, which I'm recording just for the hell of it, um, this would never be answered on the show. So if you really need guidance on something, choose your words. That's a free advice. Okay. Paragraph two. So I've had these friends since middle school whom I've kept in touch with throughout life after I moved away in the eighth grade. We didn't become super close until after I moved back into town about four years ago. The three of us literally did everything together. They quickly became the people I considered family. One of them began to bring her cousin around. I had briefly met her once before, but never knew much about her. She brought her around literally a week after my mom died. I specifically remember this because I thought it was so bizarre that I had spent all of three minutes with her once before, yet she was at my mom's funeral. She was really nice at first. However, I did notice that she had a bit of an asshole attitude that she never used to on me. Oh, that she never used on me. Okay, so she had an asshole attitude, but she never used it on her. We quickly became a foursome that did all the things together. Despite her weird attitude, I think I really appreciated the support I probably needed in those times. Fast forward to this past May, we attended our friend's part of our foursome's wedding in Hawaii, where she now lives. Our friend who was getting married arranged for us to stay in a three-bedroom house on a property where she lives. We all got our own rooms, and we shared them with our boyfriends. Janie's fourth asshole friend, boyfriend, is and always has been a complete douche kid from the valley. Literally the most arrogant kid that has ever lived. I assume that you mean the Southern California Valley. Um... He always acts so entitled, talks down to everyone, including his mom, and will find any reason in the world to make everyone feel dumb in his presence. I never told anyone except for Crystal, friend who's getting married and is also a saint who can do no wrong, and my boyfriend that I didn't like him. In fact, I'm pretty sure he didn't know I didn't like him. I never wanted Janie to feel bad, and I don't think it's my place to tell her what kind of guy I think he is. Good girl. That's a note for me. Good girl. 
Also, my boyfriend thought that he was an actually cool guy and that his attitude was just to, quote, act to appear funny. Well, this trip turned out, uh, well, this trip turned out almost terrible because of him. He was so rude and so mean. He constantly made jokes about how stupid my boyfriend is and how I have him in check and I don't let him do anything, which honestly caught us off guard because we have always been so nice to him, especially my boyfriend. Also, I do not have him in check. I think we respect each other too much for one of us to act more dominant than the other. I think the turning point for us was when he made a joke about my boyfriend and I being broke asses who were eating all the food they bought and probably barely had enough money to make it to Hawaii. This really angered us because A, we had been eating out every day on purpose because we were aware that we were the only ones that didn't buy groceries for the house. B, we're Mexicans who were raised not to take anything that isn't ours, especially if you don't have anything to offer in return. C, I think he was referring to me taking one water bottle that wasn't mine because the store was already closed and I announced to everyone that I was going to buy a case of water in the morning. D, we're not ones to count anyone's money, but if he was to count how many water bottles I drink, we're the only ones with real careers in that house and probably have a higher annual income than all of them combined. That was shady, but I'm getting mad all over again. Anyway, after that, my boyfriend and I decided to keep our distance and just do our own thing for the remainder of the trip. Anytime he said anything, we just brushed it off and ignored him. The last thing I wanted to do was start a fight and make it an even more awkward awkward situation than it already was. Or worse, take focus away from Crystal's wedding. Toward the end of the trip, things between Kevin, pretentious asshole, and us started to get really hostile, and I felt like I had to say something to Janine. I pulled her aside and apologized for the way things went and for her being in the middle, which was honestly the truth. I actually wanted to thank her because whenever he tried to say something rude, she would actually say something like, stop, shut up, or don't say that. Anyway, she started crying and saying that it was too late and I waited too long and she thought we were just going to stop being friends when we got back to LA and never see each other again. This completely blindsided me. She really took it personal and it was never even about her. I freaked out a little when she started crying and sort of said, okay, bye, and walked away. I honestly didn't understand her tears and didn't know how to handle her. Later that day, I went up to her again to let her know that I honestly meant to apologize to her and I felt so sad that she took it so personal. I really thought that if I understood why we stood away, because she often did have to jump in and tell him to stop. Anyway, we hugged it out and she said she, quote, needed time. When we got back to LA, she began to Snapchat every day that she was at her cousin's house, my original friend. Mind you, this is a person I've known for some time and never, ever uses Snapchat. She maybe will snap her lunch once a, once a month, but that's it. So I took it really personal when she started snapping herself with, with Cynthia every day. I felt really left out and really sad. I ended up taking her off her snap because I would wake up every day to a new snap of them. It made me feel shitty every day. About a month after Hawaii, I invited her to our engagement party. Oh yeah, my boyfriend and I got engaged in Hawaii. And she said something like she couldn't make it, but she wished us the best of luck in life. Since then, I haven't heard from her, nor have I tried to contact her. Cynthia, her cousin, has been distant, and it has made it clear that she can't really hang out with me anymore, which honestly breaks my heart because I love her so much. She was my best friend for real. She sends me snaps here and there, but she won't text me anytime I try to make plans with her, and her BF says that they have something else to do. Just recently, I sent Janine a super long email, probably as long as this, and basically just telling her that I was still going to send her to save the date, and I just Saint Juana, I don't know, I just Saint Juana send it 
without saying anything first. I don't know what that typo is, but maybe you guys do. Um, and I really would like her to come to the wedding. Anyway, I sent that email about three weeks ago and she hasn't responded. I really don't know what else to do. Honestly, it's not that I care that much about her. Really, I want to make things good with her. So maybe that things with Cynthia and I could get better. But I really miss my friend. But now I feel like she's in the middle of this pointless argument. But what should I do? I really miss my friend. But now I feel like she's in the middle of this pointless argument. What should I do? Best regards, Gabby. Okay, Gabs. Gabalicious. I know that you think a lot of this was necessary. Um, but I have to say that in the details, I kind of lost a lot of really important information. So let me just like backtrack what I am my clarity for you. Many years ago, it sounds like if you're all getting married, many years ago, you guys were in middle school. You came back four years later, I'm guessing in the middle of high school. You guys were all BFF, that your original group of three. And then unfortunately, your mom passed away. Around that time, your friend Cynthia started to bring her friend around, who's actually just her first cousin or something. And her friend, her friend slash cousin got incorporated into the group. Now, all these years later, you guys were a fantastic foursome. One of you was getting married in Hawaii. And the rest of the threesome and all of your boyfriends and the rest of the foursome and all of your boyfriends rent a house in Hawaii where there was squabbles about who was putting in more with groceries, rude comments from Janine's boyfriend, and um, just awkward tension between all of you that led you to confront Janine and just say, look, dude, like the weirdness between us is not intentional. I just, my boyfriend and I are really uncomfortable around your boyfriend so we are distancing ourselves, but it's not personal to you. Think that's what's happening. Now, you and your boyfriend have gotten engaged. And Cynthia, your original BFF, and Janine are no longer speaking to you. Um, you keep pursuing these friendships in vain. Um, and, and it's unfortunate because uh, you're, you just keep getting rejected. Um, what would I say to you about this? Well, I would say at a certain point, you need to stop reaching out. I think, um, you know, Cynthia was your original friend. Um, at the same time, Cynthia is family with Janine. So there is going to be a loyalty to her there. And while I know that you said, I mean, look, I had a friend like this whose boyfriend was repulsive. Like he was a repulsive human being. And this was someone that I had been friends with for so long. And I couldn't understand. Well, I understand why she wanted to be with him. It was because he validated her and showed her love. And they still are together. Um, but he was like just impossible to be around. Like such a dick. Constantly making comments about the fact that certain friends of mine and, and, and I like work in entertainment while he does something that he feels is charitable and like makes him a better person. And just basically constantly cutting people down because of his own inadequacies. And I think that Gabby, you can probably see that Janine and her boyfriend are people that function from a place of feeling inadequate. And 
you say you, you know, you haven't really sold out Janine as being um, an asshole or insecure herself the way that your boyfriend pointed out that her boyfriend is. But if Janine is with an asshole, she probably is an asshole or so insecure that she thinks she needs an asshole. Now, in terms of Cynthia, I don't know what was repeated back to her. Her cousin Janine came to her very upset on a wedding weekend. Anytime there's any sort of drama on a wedding weekend, whoever is spinning the yarn, they get like the other person gets turned into an asshole. The one time you are not supposed to fight is at someone's wedding. I even think it's okay to fight at a birthday, but you don't fight at a wedding. Uh, even if it was off off site at another house, it's just not supposed to be any drama around someone's wedding time. It is like one week of time that is not about anyone but the couple at hand and everyone in their lives coming together as a community to watch them go into this next stage of marriage. Now, there are probably plenty of you out there who will argue with me that there are much more complicated situations where fights cannot be avoided. But I think in this scenario, we can all agree that there's no reason why these people have to be in Hawaii for a week and start having fights over shit like bottled water and taking comments from an insecure asshole way too personally. So you go to Janine, explain this. She starts crying. She goes to her cousin. Her cousin's like, what the fuck? Why is she starting shit with you on her wedding weekend? Like, that's going to be my guess as to how she reacted. Um, who cares if like Jeff or whatever her boyfriend is? Who cares? Who cares if Jeff is an asshole? Like, this isn't about them. This isn't about Jeff. She just made a comment about a water bottle. So what? Like, that is definitely... I mean, that's how I would see it playing out. That's how I would see this reaction being the one that came to place, which makes me, if this is the way that they're, the place that they're operating from, feel like you really need to acknowledge that it's been a very, very long time since middle school and that family is always going to choose each other. And that while this is a gigantic loss for you, there are two other girlfriends in your foursome that you love and adore. I think that you send Cynthia a save the date as well. Um, I think that you, you know, Janine, be the bigger person, send her a save the date as well, but expect nothing. You really have to keep your expectations low. I mean, this is like expecting, you're expecting some sort of evolved behavior from people that have not particularly displayed evolved behavior. And I don't mean to do this as a slam to you, but I know it will be one. Not evolved behavior in the sense that you guys are all like hanging out with your middle school friends. I don't know how old you are. At the beginning of this, I couldn't tell if you were 18 or if you're 28. And I still don't really know based on all of the information you've given for me. I, I realize you can get legally married. So that probably means you're at least, what, 17 in some states. Um, I uh, Congratulations on your engagement. I'm really happy for you. I do think there could be uh, a very small chance. And I would ask you not to rest on this. And if you need to for your own mental health, um, well, although I do not recommend that because I think it's a really good escape route for someone's brain to take when they should be either learning to take something less personally or avoiding their role in it. But there is a chance that she's envious that you're engaged and she is in a relationship with an asshole. I don't know what Cynthia's relationship is like with her boyfriend, but I do know that people can 
feel threatened by an engagement. And it also does sound like you and your boyfriend kind of removed yourself, as you said, while for a very good reason, you removed yourself from the group, which is polarizing. And um, it doesn't always make people feel good, regardless of your reason, especially if like your reason is like, I'm annoyed that that asshole is making petty comments. I mean, trust me, look, I actually talked about this in therapy yesterday. Like petty comments can really, really hurt. They can. Any sort of criticism can really hurt, especially if it feels like it's coming out of left field, especially when you know that the person who's making that remark is just basically a fucking bozo. Like you're, you're probably right. Maybe you and your boyfriend do make more money than everyone in the house. So like, why at the end of the day, do you give a shit what this guy says to you? Like you should know that that is him. That is not you. And like depersonalize it, but also know that if you're going to separate yourself, you are by nature separating yourself and you, you know, I guess you couldn't wait to get home from Hawaii to explain this. I feel like you kind of couldn't leave well enough alone after the first time. I feel like I would be with you. Like I I would feel some shame and some embarrassment about the way that she's just like not responding to you now, but like really, really think about it, dude. Like it's kind of a blessing that she's showing her hand like this, you know, like, she got upset over some comments. At the same time, I'm going to say it again. I just want you to think back and think about your tone in that moment. Think about how it came up. Think about how you pulled her out of the room or approached her when you spoke. And think to yourself, did I maybe handle this in a way that was a little bit dramatic, inappropriate for a wedding weekend? giving too much credit to someone I know is functioning on a lesser mental, emotional level than me. Um, And ask yourself if that's how you want to conduct yourself in your future friendships. Um, Sounds like you reluctantly accepted this girl into your friendship group to begin with. Um, Maybe part of you was fine burning it down for that reason or fine not looking the, the other way or kind of just not taking it personally for that reason. She's not your best friend. Uh, she's someone that kind of got folded into your group during what was a very unfortunate, sad time in your life. I think it's a little weird that your friend brought her cousin to your mom's funeral. But then again, that's a good sign that they are very close family. There is something about them that is close. It's a bond that's bigger than normalcy. It's a bond that's bigger than what seems to be like the average person's opinion of the truth or right or wrong. And that's something to think about. So I don't know. I have to tell you, I don't know if 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 this was a good answer for you, because I have to tell you, this is where this is why we do these shorter letters on the show usually, because they're concise and they get more to the point. I'm a little bit caught up in a lot of these details that, you know, I say this all the time on the show. We think the minutia is so important. We think that that like time that someone, you know, split the bill and they were counting pennies was important. Like the time that, you know, so-and-so said this, but you had just done this. And weren't you guys going to split gas for the weekend? Like those things are just, it's, it's little frustrations in life, but we are all susceptible to mistakes like that. And 
well, there's like, you know, we all like to walk around with our little honor code, like our code of decency. Um, I think that sometimes we can suffocate ourselves with our own codes of decency and therefore suffocate the other people in our lives with our own codes of decency. And um, it's not fair to impose on people like that. And it's just going to lead you to be constantly disappointed. So I really want you to avoid that, Gabby. I want you to enjoy your wedding. I want you to think about the life that you are building and not the life that you had. Um, I know that it's, you know, especially if these were people that were around during a time where you had your mom, I understand it's really difficult to move on sometimes. But remember those other two girlfriends in the foursome, maybe talk to them to get some intel. Um, I would have loved to hear what they had to say about this. Um, and yeah, I just please update us. Let us know what you decide to do with your wedding. And please let us know in a paragraph or less. Maybe even call the show 323-450-7408 or email your voice notes to askpleaseadvise at gmail.com. That's P-L-Z and please advise. All right, letter two. I also want to apologize. I'm realizing right now that I probably sound very nasal and I apologize for that. I am 32 and I've developed allergies. I take something that's technically over the counter, but they keep it behind the counter and it takes like a photo ID and like a whole lot of paperwork to get it. Just some like Allegra or something like that. And all I think when I get this stuff is like, hey, if meth heads want to go through all this work to make their meth, just fucking let them do it. They're going to do it anyway. And like, I, I am sometimes la too lazy to relieve myself of my real allergies, let alone, um, you know, filling my drug addiction cravings. Okay. So letter two says, dear malls, this is going to be part follow up and part new question, which has to do with the original. I'm 32, currently residing in Boynton Beach, Florida. Hey, girl, my parents have a house there. We should hang over Thanksgiving. Um, I have a decent job with the state and an amazing boyfriend of over two years. I called in a while ago regarding my best male friend who was dating a very young girl, and I was kind of uncomfortable with the situation because she was 18 and he was 29, and I was 30, and just not really into hanging out with someone with so little life experience. The mail you had on the pod as your guest went straight to the assumption that I was clearly secretly in love with him, which was slash is not the case. And you actually stuck up for me and said you didn't think it was like that, but also said that maybe I was being a little petty in the examples I used to describe her, which I was. Anyway, you offered some great advice. I moved on. They dated for a couple of years and she actually developed into a great girl who I can call my friend now. I love that. Oh my God. I remember this call and I don't remember who our guest was, but I'm so sure that he did think you were secretly in love with him. I love this. Um, okay, so it says, fast forward to this year. I'm currently in Boynton Beach, happily living with my boyfriend. The person who I used to consider my quote-unquote male best friend lives in the town I am a couple hours north. Lives in the town I am a couple hours north from. And since my friends and family are there, I visit quite often. Well, months ago, he hooked up with a girl who was still in high school. No. He brought her out to dinner with us on a weekend. I was in my hometown and I found out how young she was from someone else the next day. And I had a heart to heart with him where I told him I really thought it was creepy and I was seeing a pattern. I was really uncomfortable with the whole thing. Oh my God, girl. What? 
Okay, on top of this being someone I still considered a close friend and possibly dating someone in high school when we were so beyond that point in our lives, I just didn't want to hang out with a high schooler. I used to babysit a girl that is now this in, in this girl's senior class. Holy shit. During this conversation, he told me he didn't agree that there was a creepy pattern, but he didn't know how young this girl was until after they hooked up. 17 as I write this, which is why I'm writing and not calling because I know it may be some sort of legal issue or something. He said that he told her it couldn't happen again, but they could still be friends. So a couple weeks ago, I went home for the weekend and was hanging out at his house where another friend also lives. And he said he had to go pick up this girl from swim practice and then take her to his mom's house for dinner. Oh my God. So now it's obvious to me that they've been dating this whole time and he just hasn't mentioned it in our phone conversations. Our other friends are not really into it, also kind of uncomfortable to be around it, but I'm the only one who has ever and will ever say anything to him about it. He was a good friend of mine, but now when I'm in town, I only see him if I catch him while school is in session because all other hours he's with a 17-year-old girl and not replying to texts. On the one hand, I am happy that I have not actually had any contact with her and is he is keeping us separate. But on the other, I know that this is not a sustainable situation because it is obviously creating a giant elephant in the room. I am at the point where I know nothing to say to him will break this pattern ever, it seems. I'm pretty sure that maybe it's time to move on as the friendship goes since I feel like I'm getting put on the back burner for jailbait and I don't really feel the need to be around for the aftermath. What would you do if you were in my situation? Would you just let it go and kind of stop replying as much or have some sort of heart to heart conversation with him again? I have to say he is the type of person who will definitely still keep in touch and make possibly superficial attempts to hang out unless I actually spell out that there is something wrong. I don't think that this is something that will just go away as we are both part of what was a previously tight friendship circle, which might just be going through a breakup as a whole. Please advise. Deanna. Oh, and then she wrote, oh, of course. <laughs> If you get bored and pointing, hit me up, girl. Okay, I maybe I will. Um, listen to me. This guy's gotta go. Like, you cannot speak to this guy anymore. I I think that you write him a letter and you just say, dude, I've spoken to you about this before. The more I think about it, I mean, girl, when you said that he had to pick her up from swim practice. I got the willies, like the willies. And I understand, I get it. Like some guys like that. I mean, of course it's like biological. That's why guys are so attracted to teenagers. They want like a bouncy young 16 year old girl with fucking pigtails. It's First of all, it grosses me out and not just because I'm 32. It's never not grossed me out. As long as I've been aware of how that dynamic is, I've been grossed out by it. Um, but I really think that this is something that, you know what? You don't want this person in your life for bigger reasons than the fact that he creeps you out. You don't want this person in your life because what if you have children? What if your friends have children? This guy is a pedophile. And like, it, it may be a low key pedophile, but he's a pedophile. Maybe not legally, but he's a pedophile. He is skating as close to the line as he can. And I don't know in Florida, I think 16 may be the age of consent. I'm not completely sure. A lot of states, 
maybe even 15 is the age of consent in some states. But he is 30 years old, possibly even 31. I mean, I don't know if he's still 29. If a couple of years ago he was dating a girl back then, that was, I mean, he, Matt, the math would say he's roughly 31. Um, girl, keep this man away from you. Not because he's going to do anything to you because you're too old for him by a solid decade, maybe even 15 years. But this is a guy that is going to eventually, he's doing what he can now. You understand? Like he's, he's young enough and good enough looking that he can still probably charm and pull an 18 year old because he's not a creepy old man yet. But this is the kind of behavior that escalates. He doesn't, he lacks self-control. He's 30 years old. He can find another girl. Do not tell me that this 17-year-old girl, and I know you're not, but no one try and tell me that this 17-year-old girl has such a sparkling personality that this 31-year-old man cannot resist her. That makes me want to barf. Like, that is so fucking gross. I, it's, it's, it's completely about her age. It was completely about the other girl's age. And like, you know what? Yes, I, I did call you out in that original letter. You know, look, like, it sucks. I, living in LA, it happens all the time. I'm sure living in Florida, you see it a lot too. There's definitely like a lot of money down there, a lot of retirement communities down there, a lot of young, beautiful girls with big titties uh, looking to make it in the amateur porn industry. See hot girls wanted if you would like to. I really, um, I'm uncomfortable with the thought of you basically essentially being party to what is going to eventually be this man probably legitimately molesting a child. Not like a prepubescent child, but if his type is teenagers, he's going to keep doing what he can to pull them. And like that could get to the, I really, I can see that especially, you know, he has a, an ability to lie to you guys. Um, he obviously like, yeah, he obviously can lie to you. He obviously has impulse control issues. Those are the kinds, you know, there's a lot of pedophiles out there that don't act on it. And like, that's something I want to make clear. Like, I actually quite feel, I feel quite heartbroken for so many of the people that are born with this, like, I mean, what is essentially a genetic mental mutation. And like, they never act on it. They deal with it. They they suffer with it. They get themselves sterilized or they, you know, I mean, they, I, I've just, I've seen so many threads on Reddit. I've seen, I've heard so many calls on savage love from people that are pedophiles that actively work against it every single day to make sure that they do not touch children or not, or do not harm children. I don't think that this man is showing that sort of self-control. And as he gets older and older and it's harder and harder for him to get the kind of woman that he's attracted to, this book could become a very ugly situation. And I want you to protect yourself from that. And I want you to go through your life without the guilt of knowing that, again, you were party to a developing sexual predator. I mean, I don't even know if it's developing. You could just be a fucking straight up sexual predator right now. But um, 
Yeah, that's pretty gross. I got my braces off on my 17th birthday. So that's real gross. Real, real gross. I remember thinking when I was 17, it was embarrassing to date like a 21-year-old. Like I thought girls that dated 21-year-olds like were were out of control and over-sexualized at a young age when I was 17. So the fact that she's dating a 30-year-old and in high school, like what a weirdo. Like her classmates probably, this isn't necessarily her fault. This is like also kind of a shame because she's being seduced by an older man. But look back at your high school and think about the girls that you knew that were hooking up with like guys that could buy them booze or whatever. And then just think about like how you were like, ew, like, you know, Megan is out of control or like, I can't believe she'd like hook up with him. He's like an older, gross guy. Like, who's that townie? You know what I mean? I I just don't, I like, ew. And please advise nation. If you guys have any stories about stuff like this, where a situation you saw where it's like, hello, red flag, hello, red flag. Like it escalated into a situation kind of like the one that I, I think, I think I'm alluding to. I think that you know, you see these signs of people, not just like in, in someone like a pedophile, but like think about someone that is a rapist, okay? Someone who like a, a college rapist, a guy like Brock Turner, that was not the first time he like roughed up a girl at a party. You know what I mean? Him rape, that was like, that that was an escalation. Like there was years of conditioning of him feeling like it was okay to treat or talk to women a certain way. And then it manifested and him raping a girl behind a dumpster. So that that's just one example. These things really escalate. It's a conditioned thing. It's it's the guy, I mean, look, I I know someone pretty well that is like, you know, I he he raped his girlfriend. He's raped a few of his girlfriends and I've known this person to be a violent person who used drugs and made inappropriate decisions for years and years and years before he was outed for his actions. So it's not as if like, it's not as if like you don't kind of see these things coming sometimes. I think the best thing you can do is distance yourself from it and have some compassion for it. You know, there's okay. It's okay. Like, you know, that's why cognitive dissonance is such a, a discussion these days. It's because we're all really struggling to understand how someone can be a monster that we've loved and hugged and laughed with and spent holidays with and, you know, let, let, that have let us cry on their shoulder or whatever. It's hard to reconcile that, that someone who can be so great on one hand can also be a fucking disgusting creep. Like a beyond, I mean, like whatever, whatever is worse than a, like a criminal isn't bad enough. Creep isn't bad enough. Degenerate almost simplifies it too much. It's like, it's a sick human being that you can't be around. And I really, I apologize to you because I know, like, let me apologize on behalf of the universe for like how shitty that is when you have to make a decision not to have someone in your life because no matter how much you care about them, they're just never going to get better. I, I really like apologize that you're going through that. So thank you for the update. And, um, you know, if you are friends with this 18 year old girl, maybe pick her brain a little bit. 
not to get any more information, not to, I, I really think no matter what, you should stick with the decision. If the 18 year old girl says, oh no, he was never creepy towards me. I'm not saying believe that. I'm just saying like, if you feel comfortable, maybe ask her, hey, what kind of stuff is this guy into? Is there a role playing in the mix? Is there any particular name he has you call him? Like if you just need to a little bit of selfish, re, like reassurance that this guy has um, a sick sexual attraction to younger women um, that is all but completely illegal, maybe go searching for some details like that. And I'm really sorry. If I'm just so sorry. That's brutal. All right, next letter. Hi, Malls and Christina. You spelled Christina with a C-H, and it's actually Christina with a K. That's okay. I would like to remain anonymous, but I need some advice. I am a 21-year-old recent college grad working in marketing in NYC, and I've had a hard upbringing and have always worked to be where I am in life. I went to college a year early, graduated with honors, and slayed at on-campus life slash involvement and balanced work and internships. Good for you. I was able to land an amazing job in NYC working for a great company starting right out of school and moved away from my hometown in Massachusetts and college life in Rhode Island. Also, side note, I am an extrovert who loves wine, is 5'9", and I know I'm a beautiful person inside and out. Cut to the boyfriend. I have this wonderful boyfriend, and he is kind and a sweet guy that I met online, and we hit it off from the very first date. It's been over a year now that we've been together, but now we're doing long distance since I decided to move to NYC. We've been doing long distance previously because we met when he was working in the South. The majority of our relationship has been apart and completely reliant on calls, texts, and Skypes. He is a 30-year-old, insert many careers here kind of guy. When we met, I thought he had his shit together and he was training to become a certified latent print examiner. Then he came back to Rhode Island for for good just before I graduated and moved to NYC. He has worked in photography and expressed interest in getting a degree in network engineering and wants to be a quote forever student. At first, I was in love with his varied passions and how he loved to take on new things. Then I began to notice that he would drop his goal just before completing it or when things got hard. He has been quote single, but a little bit of a slut for the seven years before he met me. I have been single for two years and a bit of a slut myself before we met. I say slut positively. I love sluts. Live your life and get laid. He has been having trouble getting a job and made plans to move to NYC to be with me and work up here. He went back on this plan three times before finally telling me he didn't want to be in NYC and would rather stay back in his hometown and work a crappy job while figuring out his next career move than try for a career in NYC. I have tried to be understanding in this and not take anything truly hard truly to heart, but it's hard when the person you love says there's nothing for them in a city where you reside. He constantly prioritizes what's going on in his life over mine, and I have to almost endlessly, and I have to be almost endlessly adapting and, girl, let me just stop for a second. He's a narcissist. He has no empathy for you. You are living in his show. I'm going to finish reading this email, but allow me to say no more. I had this explained to me in therapy the other day when you were trying to make sense of a narcissist, okay, in your world and in my world, two plus two equals four. In a narcissist's world, two plus two equals bunnies, okay? Like that is the brain that you're working with. 
he may even be because of this adaptability, inadaptability, chameleon complex of him. Very, very, very common trait of a sociopath. Okay? You are 5'9 and fucking gorgeous. Just going to point that out to you. You know this about yourself. His, quote, slutty behavior, also usually a sign of sociopathy and narcissism. Um, I'm not saying he's for sure a sociopath, but I don't need to read anymore to know that you were dealing with a narcissist. And there is no winning with a narcissist, especially when you are a person who has had a rough upbringing and have worked hard. The reason why he likes you and is with you is because you are a giver and because you are smart and because you're a survivor and because he knows that you will work to give him anything he needs because you have worked to give yourself everything you need. So as long as you are a well of information, opportunities, experience, sex, looking good in front of other people, coming across as like a big guy, getting compliments, whatever it is, as long as you are a well of this for him, he will continue to drink from you until you are dry. And you are living in one of the most, you are living in the most competitive city in the United States. I'm not exactly sure what job market, but I will tell you something. You have worked too hard with, for everything, for everything to be in a long distance relationship with a man like this. I think that it says nothing about him and probably mostly stuff about your childhood that you feel the need to fight for this man. Loss is probably not easy for you. Why you've worked so hard. But this man is toxic. And I'll finish reading your email right now. And maybe there's a big M. Night Shyamalan-esque twist at the end of this. But I had to stop right here and dump that on you because uh, this is like, I feel like I'm reading my fucking diary and it's, it's killing me. <clears throat> he constantly, pri- I'm sorry, going back to the email, he constantly prioritizes what's going on in his life over mine. And I have to be almost endlessly adapting and accommodating to his schedule due to its unpredictability versus my endlessly stable one. I constantly understand his anxiety and needs, but I have felt lately that no one that I have no one to talk to because he gets frustrated with me easily. This, oh shit, girl! All right. He often calls me childish, but I think I am mature in the way that I carry myself and the career that I am building for myself and the standards I hold in my personal life. He isn't giving me what I need, but I love him and I feel like I can't tell him what I need support-wise without him calling me childish. I just need him to be kind and keep his word. I have also done a lot for him financially from buying him new clothes 
not for style, but out of need and gave him my old iPhone, etc. I always pay for everything because I have a steady income, which I don't mind at all. But then it's just sad when he doesn't save his money. He does have or spends it on music equipment. All right, I need to stop again. This goes on for two. Okay, this goes on for two more paragraphs. Everything that I'm going to just stop right here. Another insert. Everything you just said, this man does not feel empathy. You have given to him endlessly. You have given more than you should have. At this point, and God bless you, he's starting to make you look like a fool. And trust me when I say it's not your fault. This is what a narcissist game is. This is the game they run. You will because you are smart. This is a side effect of after breaking up with a narcissist. This is a side effect. You're going to feel like a fucking dumbass. You're going to be so disappointed in yourself. You're going to think back on all the times you should have broken up with this guy and all the times you let him get away with some sort of like unforgivable, odd behavior or all the times you opened your wallet for him and, and, and gave him your iPhone and bought him clothes for out of for necessity and he's calling you childish this is a man who lacks empathy that is a gigantic sign of both a narcissist and a sociopath and i want to point out to you that because he lacks empathy there are no guarantees that he's not getting his dick wet down in South Carolina or wherever the fuck he lives to begin with anyway. Rhode Island, whatever it may be. I really, I think, I think he, I think this is really, I think this, uh, I'm like, I'm having an emotional reaction to this. All right. I'm going to keep going. I try to talk to him and I feel like the main issue in our relationship is that we are not a full-time couple. We weren't able to say, hey, let's just grab a drink or, hey, let's just watch a movie unless it's in our own designated seeing each other every other weekend, one here, one there. But that's un that's schedule always gets thrown off due to his schedule. Oh, my God. I take the bus four hours each way to see him for the weekends when I can. And he does the same for me. We always let me guess how let me guess. What's the ratio? What's the ratio? How many times? Has he come to New York to how many times you've been to Rhode Island? Or how many times? Let me guess. A third at most, right? Okay. Just making sure. Because he doesn't mind wasting your time because you actually work a full-time job. And he doesn't mind switching up the schedule on you and making you ride. Basically, take eight hours out of your 48 hours off. You have 40 hours to yourself a week. That isn't on a bus. And this man doesn't even have a fucking job. He's putting you down. Oh, hell no. Continuing on. We always have a good time, but more often than not, we fight because there's so much built up from the littlest things we weren't able to talk about or through during the week as a normal couple. He shuts down when he gets upset and it's a new level of emptiness to feel when you're laying in the same bed as someone you've been craving for a week or two weeks and they say, I have nothing 
to say to you or tell you not to touch them. I don't mean to paint such a negative picture of someone important in my life because he is a great guy and a good person. I just think there are so many things I am unhappy about, but I am stuck. I had like pause. You're not painting a negative picture of someone important in your life. You are explaining an accurate picture. Everything that you have said about paying bills, his inability to commit to a career, the way he shuts you down when he talks, when you talk, the names he calls you, the fact that it's always the this guy show. Those are facts. Important in your life, great guy, good person, I am stuck. Those are feelings. And as the wise Christina Lopez recently said on this podcast, facts are not feelings. Feelings are not facts. That's what she said. Feelings are not facts. Because facts aren't feelings either. Maybe they are. But listen to me. This guy is not a good guy. I'm going to keep going. But like, I, you, I, I need you to know. I need you to break up with him. Do this for me. Please. If you don't do it for yourself, do it for me. Because I promise you it will be for yourself in the long run. I'm just going to like ask you for the favor and pretend that it's for me. But seriously, it will kind of be for me because this is the kind of advice. I, I wish that I, 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 when I, and I worry for you too, because I hear how in love you are and I hear how much this means to you. And I don't know if you really are in love as much as you are deeply codependent with this person. And I don't mean that as a slam. I mean that in the way that the way that sometimes people like you and me are, and I think that you and I might be more similar than we are different based off of everything I've read in this letter. The way that we are is that we grew up in a way that makes us really afraid to lose things. It makes us really quick to push away things that might hurt us. And that's anything from in certain people relationships to in other people reality. And I've done a lot of pushing away of reality in my life because I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with the facts. I would rather be in my feelings. And I have paid dearly for it. I've learned a lot but you pay dearly. And I'm going to continue reading your letter, but I'm like, I, as I, I'm, whew, all right, I'm like going to get upset about this. Okay. Don't want to lose this person, but just typing all of this makes me think that this is a little bit like emotionally torturing myself. I get it constantly thrown in my face that the reason we have problems is because I chose to leave to New York City and the fact that we were doing long distance previously doesn't count because he had moved to the South before we met. Also, while he was in the South, he was smoking a 10 plus year on off habit for him, but he never mentioned it to me as he knew that I hated cigarettes and I have really bad asthma. I found out a few months into the relationship 
And ever since, he's been promising me to quit, but hasn't. Now more than ever, it's important to me because my mom has cancer in two places in her body that she was diagnosed of within months of each other, one of them being secondary lung cancer. She was not a smoker, but this was caused by a spread of tumors to her lungs caused by the first form. So it's just hard to sit here and say, please don't smoke and have me call his mother and have me and have him call me his mother or say that I make him feel bad when the reason I am so concerned is because every day my mom gets worse. I think the worst part is that he knows he should feel bad or stop if he cared enough, but he can't. He can't bring himself to care. So let's go back here. Top of this paragraph. Oh, oh, it's your fault. It's your fault that we're in a long distance relationship because I lived in the South before we met. Two plus two equals bunnies. Okay, it makes no fucking sense. Hiding the cigarettes from you. That was his way of baiting you because he knew that if you showed his hand at the beginning of the relationship, he's one of the many, many, many cards in that deck he is holding. It would have been a deal breaker for you and you're too great for him to lose. You have too much energy for him to suck. And do not think when I say that you are too good for him to lose, I mean you are so amazing. He knows that you, you'll you never do any better than you. No, 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 no. He doesn't want to fuck it up because you're giving him the juice he needs. It's like throwing a battery out before it's dead. Why are you going to put batteries in a flashlight, use it once, take the batteries out, and then throw them away? Right? You're batteries to him, babe. He can't bring himself to care. No empathy. I'm going to keep going. He has also been so heavily involved with his former bandmates and is starting up a new job in Rhode Island and has a new band and just a life there that I don't seem to fit. I don't seem to fit in an NYC either and never had any intentions of staying more until the next fall. But I don't know if I should just cut ties with my boyfriend and live life for me. I was always carefree and single and very alone in college And now that I have this relationship, I have more anxiety than ever, and I still feel alone. I know I am young, and your show almost completely stresses how young and naive 21-year-olds can be, but I think this was my soulmate. He makes me feel something that moves me. I always thought it was his energy, but I think the spark I felt in the beginning was a warning to this all-consuming flame I am experiencing now. I feel used. I think I have been ignoring what I need in order to have what I want and it's not sustaining. I am drowning in career success and personal failure. Should I end this relationship? Please know how hard this is. Please advise. Yes, you should end this relationship. You should end it on the phone. You should block him in your phone. You should block his email address from being able to contact you. You should block him on social media. 
as long as he can't get in contact with you, I am sure that he's not going to bother to jump through any more hoops. I doubt that he's going to reach out to your friends. He's probably just going to find a new target. if He doesn't already have a side piece down there. Because if he's only seeing you once a week and he doesn't want to fuck you, he's probably getting it somewhere else. And I want you to know that this is not a typical case of when a 21-year-old writes here with relationship problems and it's like, girl, you're not seeing the light. This is... Um, this is, this is an, this is a narcissist problem. This is the problem of when you're a caring person, when you tend to push away reality sometimes, which it sounds like, even though you are very, very successful, it seems sometimes that people that have especially lived difficult childhoods and are successful, it's be, it's because A, they have an ability to push things aside and B, it's the ability to push things aside that allows them to concentrate extra hard on their schoolwork and their career. I want to suggest to you that maybe there's a chance you haven't had as much fun in New York as you could have because you've been in a relationship with a fucking monster. I can't imagine what it's like to be accountable to this person if you are even accountable to him. When I was in a relationship with a narcissist, I had to call every time I peed. I was expected to text when I took a Xanax. And I wasn't young either. I've been, I've dated a couple narcissists, but the relationship I'm talking about was much more recent and I completely lost myself. I lost myself. Everything I did was about fixing me so that I could be okay for him. And you know, one thing that I look back on is that so many people in this guy's life and in the other guy's life used to say to him, she's a keeper. You know that, right? She's a keeper. Molly's great. She's a keeper. No one ever said that to me about him. Ever. Nice guy? Sure. Good good work ethic? Absolutely. Funny? Definitely. A keeper? I can't tell you how many people in my life told me after we broke up that nothing would have broken their heart more than if I had married that person. I know the soulmate feeling. Fast and furious um, is a very common way that a narcissist starts a relationship. Um, I think that you're not naive. I think that everyone we grow to, I mean, when something doesn't make sense to you and you're used to trying to use logic, You're gonna you drive yourself crazy trying to figure it out. You drive yourself you're but like but but I've changed so much. But I've done this. But I did that. But I don't I don't say this sort of thing anymore. But I don't go out with these people anymore. But I called you. But I told you what I was gonna do. But I said I'd be home at eleven. I'm just home at eleven fifteen because I I was saying some long goodbyes when I left the bar. Why are you yelling at me? Does that sound familiar? 
You're not yourself anymore. And you're too young to cheat yourself of that. And no one is ever, no one's, you're never too, you're never so old that you need to throw in the towel and be at the mercy of someone who is incapable, actually mentally incapable of understanding you or caring about you in the way that you deserve. Girl, get out. Get out. You don't know who you are anymore and who you are is a person who has done everything that you have done. You got to get out because you're not drowning in personal failure. You're drowning in, you're drowning because a narcissist is holding your head underwater. Partially for their own personal amusement. He probably hates himself too. You know that, right? Narcissists, they they seem like they love themselves, but deep down, they, I think some of them know that it's not clicking. That thing that everyone else has, they can't have it. They don't know why. So they just try and like suck more out of someone else. That's why I have to tell you, you can never be envious. If you see this man with someone else, you can never be envious of that person because what he has is incurable. He'll just be doing it to another person. And I'm really sorry, you know, but I'm glad because you're going to break up with this guy and it's probably going to fucking suck. I doubt he's going to show up at your door, though. He probably doesn't care enough. And if he does show up at your door, call the fucking police. Get a restraining order. Not kidding you. This person doesn't feel for other people. And that is someone that you should be afraid of. Because what they're capable of doing to you emotionally and potentially physically is something that People have a really hard time surviving, especially the emotional part. It takes a really long time for a smart person to burn off how fucking stupid they feel when they get out of a relationship. So I hope you update us on that and please just keep us in the, in the loop because, you know, we always care about you here at Please Advise Nation. And I hope that that message in particular has reached multiple of you because I can't tell you how much this is just uh, really, really blown my mind um, learning about it more and more. I'm going to read our last letter. This went a little bit longer than I thought. But then again, this is the long letters episode. So, hey, Molly and Christina, again, You spelled with a C-H. It's Christina with a K. K Lopez. Hey, K Lopez. Okay. First, a bit about me. 32, coder slash artist slash musician, straight male, currently living in Vancouver, Canada. Ooh, send pics. Um, Been listening to the pod for over two years now, and I decided I need to write in and send my support after hearing you pour out your feelings over the, quote, smell episode. I am also a straight guy, and you said you wanted more straight guys to write. 
I think the smell episode was, I know what this was. This was um, Andre Vermeulian. Vermeulian. I can't say her last name. It was her episode, The Smell. And it was the one uh, in which I addressed the letter we do not speak of anymore. The famous fetus, which, by the way, so many of you have figured out because that fucking salty bitch went to the press. And uh, you can find it. You can find it. I still hate her. I know she's a, a, a young mother, a single young mother. Um, but I have no problem calling her a salty bitch because she made me cry. And she abused Plea the Vise Nation. And I don't think that's okay. I think she's a narcissist too. And that I break up with, I would, I would suggest everyone break up with her. Fuck her. Anyway. <clears throat> the pots helped me through a lot of ups and downs over the past two years. I'd listen while biking home from a job in Montreal that I loved and sometimes would take the longer route because I was enjoying it so much. Our company ended up hiring someone who became my boss who was incredibly difficult to work with. She basically made my work life a living hell. She was verbally and emotionally abusive and the most unsupportive person I have ever worked with. The things you'd say on the pod about your work experiences, how to stick up for your personhood and how to deal with the unsavory people in the workplace helped me articulate my feelings and put my frustration into words and actions. I eventually left and moved out west, and she was let go. Fuck yeah. I say that to say this. I could have written the pod probably 50 times to ask for advice about situations and relationships in my life, but I prefer to keep my mess to myself. Hearing you talk last week about feeling like you were taken advantage of and made to look stupid and foolish and that you felt humiliated struck a deep chord with me. I decided I had to tell you how much your voice and this pod mean to me. You have a beautiful way of putting into words how you feel about the world and how you expect to be treated. Also, your Tinder tips were always great. LOL. Fall is also always tough for me. The whole back to school cycle and I go through a whole manic period where I feel like I need to figure out everything that's going on in my life and make a master plan for the next five years. It's excruciating, but I'm getting better at dealing. I had a super emo sad boy week about two weeks ago, but I'm over it. And I'm sure you're over whatever that situation was that you had. If not, try microdosing with LSD for a couple days. It makes you want to connect with people and be happy with your life and the world. Thank you for that advice. <laughs> I actually would love to try microdosing with LSD for a couple of days. Um, you are amazing and funny and you make me laugh on the train while I'm riding home. And I don't care if people look at me. Keep living your truth, girl. Fuck the haters. And September is pretty much over. You're right. It's almost November. Sincerely, your Canadian fanboy, Matthew. Yes, please bring back the do you fear that questionnaire. I loved that segment. Three reasons why you're qualified to give advice isn't doing it for me. Good note. PPS. Yes, I do fear <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> PPS. Yes, I do fear Lena Dunham's success. <laughs> that is so random. It's funny. Okay. PPS. I feel it's important I validate my existence as a real human life. Uh, sorry. PPPS. I feel it's important I validate my existence as a real life human. So if you want to check some of my music, you can listen to it via the link below. It will make you smile, I promise. Please don't mention that I shamelessly plug my music on the pod. It's such a sorry. <laughs> I told you I read these out loud as I go. <laughs> I'm so sorry. 
I won't tell anyone you you told me to plug your music. <laughs> Christina, totally leave that part in. That is some funny shit. All right. I'm in a better mood because Matthew made me feel better. So I'm going to read one more, one more letter. Um, this is a Massachusetts girl, which is why I am reading it. Do we want to hear from a Massachusetts girl or do we want to hear from another? Mm, this is about a European man. Do we want to hear about European men? Or do we want to hear? I mean, I think we always want to hear about European men. I think, I think we always, we always want to hear about European men. European men. The single girl's guide to meeting European men. Hi, Malls and crew. My name is Rob. I'm from Ireland. I love your podcast, but haven't listened to everything. Sorry. So maybe you've answered a question like this before. Rob, you should be binge listening. What's wrong with you? But anyway, I guess it's an old, sorry. But anyway, I guess it's an age-old question that almost everyone has asked about themselves. Should I get back with my ex? We were together for at least a year, and the whole time he was basically miserable. He's not from here and was on a student visa. So it was a mix of being homesick, not having a full-time job, which paid well, and smoking a lot of weed, which made him tired slash lethargic and caused him to sit around doing nothing with his free time, even though he yearned for something more. Can I just pause and say... That, like, people who can't smoke weed all the time freak me out. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying, like, you should be able to, like... Like, when I hear about these people, it's like, man, I've been smoking weed lately and, like, my life is spun out of control. Like, what? Have I just been functioning at, like, a level four my entire life? Because I feel like, yeah, I feel like I get stoned. But I don't feel like lethargic and like I'm a, a loser when I smoke. I don't understand those people. Anyway, I know they exist. No disrespect. Well, some disrespect, but not too much. Anyway, back to the letter. Anything I did to try and help him with his bad times was met with anger or frustration. I tried to talk him through it and I was accused of not giving him space. I gave him space and was accused of being distant. He would frequently bring up reasons where I was failing as a boyfriend not texting enough, not spending enough time with him, wanting time to myself. That shit hurt, and it really made me believe I was a shitty boyfriend. His insecurities caused him to make me feel bad about my achievements. Worst of all, I think his misery caused him not to be able to be there for me when I needed him most. Wow. Themes today much? With all that said, when he was happy, my world lit up. No matter how miserable he was, he was still a very kind, loving, passionate person who was just having a really rough time. And when he was there for me, he was 100% and then some. Things kept going up and down and eventually I just couldn't do it anymore. I forget what the last straw was, but I think he was asking for more of me and I just didn't have anything left to give. Of course, I wasn't perfect either. I think, he could have try- I, think I could have tried harder to be there for him, but I genuinely felt like I didn't have any more energy to do it. Since we broke up, it's been about five months, he's gotten a better job that pays well. He's getting a European passport soon, so he'll be able to work in whatever job he wants as much as he likes. He really seems like a happier person, but he told me he wants to move away because it's too hard to stay here while we're not together. So we asked for another chance. He apologized for everything, insisted that it was all his fault, that he was incredibly selfish, and admitted to dragging me down the whole time. I believed his apology, and I don't think that this is any, in any way a mind game or some sort of shit. It's not who he is. So here's where I don't know what to do. 
I suppose I never truly felt that all-consuming love for him because how do you feel that for someone who was that miserable and rejecting every attempt to help? I did love him and of course still do, but worry if it was enough. Will getting back together with him cause me to lose out on a chance to find love when I'm really happy and at peace or is it just a fairy tale? Or will saying no to another chance make me regret it down the line? I'm not sure if I even trust that things will be different this time. At 28, I feel like you should be able to answer this within myself, but here I am. Please advise if you would be so kind. My love, admiration, respect, Rob. I tried to cut this down, but it still ended up long as fuck. Sorry. Rob, you're perfect. Don't worry about it. Rob, do not get back together with him. I don't, I don't, I, okay, Wags. Sorry, Wags doesn't want you to get back together with him either. Um, I, uh, God, between emotionally broken psychos and me really breaking down that girl's boyfriend earlier who, um, is just a fucking possibly borderline sociopath, nar- just dead narcissist, dead narcissist. Um, I'm going to be honest. You say, you know, first of all, you're good. You're good. Uh, at 28, you're allowed to spend some time um, figuring stuff out. But I don't think you need to get back to him because I have to say that a lot of this guy's behavior sounds similar to, and I'm not saying he has it, because first of all, it's a very difficult thing to even diagnose. Um, it's mostly in women. And it's not something that takes up like such a significant portion of the population that I'm like, oh, dead set, this is it. But go read the Wikipedia entry for borderline personality disorder. A lot of the things that you're talking about, this high, this low, this extreme feeling of loss and abandonment uh, out of nowhere, uh, constant drug use, substance abuse, um, you know, just like black and white thinking, no gray zone. Um, I have a job now, so it's a fairy tale. Um, you know what? I, I feel like the growth that this man needs to do, if you told me that it had been five years, I would feel differently. I really would. Totally differently. I would say like, wow, you know what? A person can do a lot of changing in five years. That's great. I mean, we did have Richard Rushfield on here say that the relationships that last the longest are the relationships of couples that were together, spent some time apart in a breakup, and got together again down the line. Those are the relationships that work the best because you already kind of know the person's machinery. You've learned some lessons. You've worked out the kinks before you've gotten back together. And so you're just much more better set up for success. But... I don't even think that I would get to get back together with a guy that I dated two years ago at this point. Because I, I, to be honest with you, um, unless the person is doing serious hardcore work and therapy and working on themselves just like spiritually, et cetera, not to sound like a hippie, but you know I am, you know the show you wrote into, um, he's just the same person in a slightly better circumstance. You guys get together, you know, two years from now, he could lose that job. A really close family member could die. Uh, He could get a DUI. I don't know. Do they give out DUIs in Ireland? He could do something. Something really bad could happen in that same behavior unless he has been going to serious, like Howard Stern four times a week therapy. Howard Stern goes to therapy four times a week. 
there is no way that this man has done the development that he has needed to do in five months. He's happy now because he has a job. That's it. You probably are a big prize for him. You sound like a prize. I love you, Rob. I would I would get a, a beer with you. Um, but he's just bummed he's missing out on you, dude. He's bummed he blew it when he was depressed. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I don't know. For some reason, when I picture, like, Ireland, I'm like, oh, there's not too many gays in Ireland. There's, Ireland's probably crawling with gays. Go find a new guy. Go, you, you're, you're, you're not in such a small date. It's not such a small dating pool. I mean, unless it is a really small dating pool. And please correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, in your city, state, or town, whatever they call them over in Ireland County, whatever. Um, listen. I'm saying that there's probably other gay people where you live and that you deserve to give them a shot. More than that, you deserve to give yourself a shot before you get back together with this guy. And if you still feel this way in a year and you're making sure that you're coming from a place of not making this decision because you feel lonely and because it would be easier to just be with someone ugh, you know, who wants to be single, especially when you're going through a hard time and the holidays are coming up, blah, blah, blah. As long as none of those elements are in play, in a year and a half, you're still single and you still like this guy and he's still trying to, you know, sell you the world and you're still trying to buy it. Um, go for it. Why not? Who might have stopped you from your chance at love? Um, but I think that you there's many more chances of love out there for you, Rob. You're an evolved woke sir because you listen to this podcast. So, um, yeah, I, I just I think. Back burner it. Don't tell him that you're going to be friends with him. You don't need friends. You don't need a friend like this, especially when you, you have a history of him making you feel shitty about yourself. It's really hard to engage in an active, positive friend dynamic when you know this person is capable of making you feel like shit. Um, and, and not just capable, but will do it. Um, even as a friend, that's not someone that you want around in your life. You know, good people can go through bad times. Like, I have definitely had, uh, like, I'm, like, I've become more and more comfortable with, like, owning it. But there was, like, a time in my life, like, when I was on the show and working at Hello Giggles, I was a nightmare. Like, I was a monster. I was a monster. Because I was stressed. I didn't know myself anymore. I was running a company on my bathroom breaks, at the sitcom I worked at full-time. And by the way, that is not to say I don't have an enormous amount of gratitude for both of those experiences. I loved writing on Two Broke Girls. There were so many good memories there. I am so fucking proud of Hello Giggles. But I was a nightmare person during that time. And everyone in my life was at my fucking mercy. My mom still barely forgives me for the way I treated her during that time in my life. And it was because I was just, I was on, I was on some fucked up shit, dude. I was fucked up. I was, fu I wasn't myself anymore. And it wasn't, <laughs> you know, it sounds like we did it for this guy, you know, but like sometimes you can go, sometimes you can go through really long patches of being a kind of shitty person. And it's not necessarily an expression of who you are as a person. It's just who you are in that moment because of a lot of circumstances. Um, but I will tell you something. Leaving the show and 
deciding to become a silent partner in Hello Giggles didn't make me a perfect person the day after I left. You know that, right? Like that took me and I'm still working on it. I still like I'm I go to therapy twice a week right now. I go to two different types of therapy right now. I'm doing EMDR for my trauma, not to brag. <laughs> and I'm doing hypnotherapy. Not to brag. <laughs> so actually Andre, Andre from uh Vermulian, I can't say her last name. I'm seeing her hypnotherapist that she's she uh introduced me to on the podcast and um She's just fan fucking tastic. I can't like I can't eat this. This woman's already changing my life. So, um, you know, I, I want to say that like I'm coming out on the other end of three years after. Okay, so it was three years on the show with and running the company. I'm after those three years. There has been an additional three years, and like I've been embarrassed a little bit about how long it's taken me to kind of get back up on my feet and get to a place where I feel stable. And like, that's always kind of been the joke of this podcast and why it's under the comedy section and why, you know, sometimes I roast you guys and I feel comfortable. I'm not, a I am, I've been pulling myself out of some really dark depths for myself uh, over the last three years, some real darkness. There was a period of time, like, I don't know if you guys remember, like, you know, I would say probably eight months into Please Advise Christina, and I took like six weeks off. And the reason why we took six weeks off was because I was sorting my meds out because I was so depressed that I literally did not leave my sectional couch for 30 days. I would lie there. For 12 hours a day, every day, awake. And then I would sleep there for 12 hours a night, every night. And I would sometimes see my boyfriend when he had time for me. Sometimes my really good friends like Christina and Ed or Lara Shane Alls or Ryan, Ryan O'Connell or, you know, whoever was in my life, especially during that time, you know, we'd go see a movie. Um, but I... You know, I've been through it and in a lot of weird ways, like it's, I look back on it and, you know, for those of you who have been watching my, you know, vlogs back in the day, some of you say that, you know, oh, I used to watch you on Defamer. I was, I used, Wags, Wags just screams when he wakes up now. It's a new thing. I think he needs to go to trauma therapy too. Um, but I, uh. I was happier back then. And like, don't get me wrong. Like I'm getting back. Like I'm getting back to the way that I was then where I feel carefree and I'm, well, no, that's a fucking lie. Carefree couldn't be the more incorrect word. I feel content. I feel hungry in the right way for success. I feel like I want to say yes to things again. I feel like I slowly, I want to start going back out on drink dates with guys on Tinder. I want to see my friends more. I want to travel. I want to go back to Austin. I want to fucking remortgage my house and see if I can buy a shitty condo there just so I can have a place to go. I want to like 
I want to keep going to therapy twice a week. I want to be more active. And, and I'm not just going on a tangent here for no reason. The tangent is just to say that sometimes you can think you've got it together during a really shitty time in your life because something glossy comes along, like a new job or a boyfriend, really great relationship, new car, some exciting new friends, finding a sport that you really like. But it doesn't fix you. It just makes everything a little bit easier. It doesn't make you a good person. Again, that takes time. That takes work. Continuous long-term work. So, all that said, I think that you gotta, you gotta roll with that plenty of fish in the sea. As much as it's a joke to say, it really is. There's plenty of fish in the sea. And you do not need a fish that is emotionally damaged. <laughs> And needs and thinks that having a job is going to fix his life, and a European passport, which, by the way, sounds very chic, but not like a band. It sounds made like a bandaid at best, not like a fully healed wound. So, love you, Rob. Um, I'm sorry that this guy is torturing you in in that way. That, that this is even something that's a question in your mind. But I think that you are probably a sensitive person, and. Um, you know, I think that anytime we question whether or not we should be with someone who's bad for us, part of us is hurting. Um, and so maybe right now is a time if you, if you are wondering, like, is this a guy for me? Maybe it's time that you, you're working on yourself too right now. You know, I think we should all, pretty much everyone who has written in today could use a little self work. You know what I'm saying? Including the host, Christina Lopez as well. You're not off, you're not off scot-free, Christina. You're riddled with issues. I'm just kidding. Can you guys imagine if I just turned on Christina like that? Like, Christina had to edit this in the last five minutes of this was just me, like, railing on, like, every every idiosyncrasy I've noticed in Christina Lopez in the last eight years, which, by the way, is not even that many. But just, like, imagine, like, if I, what if I had, like, 32 and I just, like, went off on her and then she had to listen to this and I was like, and don't cut that part at the end. You will not be cutting that part at the end. <laughs> She would do it anyway. She wouldn't listen. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It wouldn't be an episode of Please Advise unless I went to a little bit of a weird fantasy land with Christina Lopez's personal life. All right. Love you guys. I hope you enjoyed this all long letters episode, an hour and a fucking half of you guys writing too much. Um, I love you. Please keep calling. Keep emailing. Much shorter emails. Always email us your voice notes. You guys, we so appreciate when you subscribe to us. When you, more than anything, more than anything, what we really, 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 really appreciate is a five-star review and a subscription in iTunes. That is what helps us podcast do better. It's what helps people find us. It's what helps put us on the charts. These are the things we need. If you guys... If you retweet us, I don't want to beg. If you enjoy the show, please retweet us. Don't hide us from your friends. This should not be a shame listen. I hope you're not ashamed of me anyway. Um, but just remember, the more that you share, please advise nation. The more interesting calls we're going to get, the better we can do. The more Christina and I can put our time and focus into this, possibly bring you guys some more live shows. 
we have had so many requests to do live shows um, in different cities, but I just don't know if the numbers are there yet. I don't know if you guys want to come out or not, if we're actually going to see a turnaround. So if you, um, you know, if you're down for that, comment, email, be active on social. It's really helpful to us. And don't forget about Emotionally Broken Psychos and Mother May I Sleep With podcast as well. You guys, I love you. Have an amazing week. God bless. Bye.